Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, our guest is Justin Dabity, and he's the founder and CEO of Physicians Thrive. Welcome, Justin. It's great to be here with you, Gary. So, Justin, tell us what what made you get into the financial industry? So, when I was finishing in my undergrad in international business and finance from the University of Nebraska, my dad decided to run for governor of Nebraska. And he needed help with his financial services practice. And the funny thing is, is that I didn't want to go into financial services, really. I was in finance and I was in international business and I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But being in the family business, I had had experience and was familiar with things going on in the company, but I wanted to support him as he was running for office. And so what I ended up doing was decided to help out with the campaign indirectly by helping run the office and run the company while he was campaigning. And so one thing led to the next. I got exposure to what he did. I got involved with lots of clients and families and businesses and got to work with physicians as well as a part of that experience. And after I got into it more and more and I married into my wife's family, a family of doctors, and got to see this kind of recurrent theme of so much medicine focus, barely any business, legal, financial focus, I saw a huge need and it was out from under that company that we formed a new one and it took off. And I found a mentor that helped me out of the Cleveland, Ohio area that really uh, took me under his wing and showed me what needed to be done to address the issues that physician families were facing. And so kind of didn't really see that as the pathway, but it became natural because we've got family in medicine on my side, extended family, plus my wife's family. She had brothers going through medical school and going through residency and the fellowship type of stuff to uh, really get a sense of the debt that they have to take on, the hours they have to put in, the years they have to dedicate themselves to being proficient to be able to care for us. And I really developed an appreciation. And, you know, in our industry, when you get started, it's a grind. 
you want this to work, to build a clientele, you have to work like no one else does. So that way, eventually you have a business like no one else does. And it was kind of at a, I was at a kind of a little bit of a crossroads because it was like, how am I going to find a way to help people in a, a real material, uh, make a difference sort of way mm-hmm. and be able to do it at a, a capacity, at an energy level that I would be able to do it without tiring. And when I got to know physicians and the caliber of people they are, how much they give, a lot of times they give, give, give to a fault, don't take care of themselves in the process. I developed a respect and a reverence for the profession in really, I think, what the profession used to be. Not so much anymore. People don't view physicians as kind of upper echelon type of professions, more like a, just a job. But really at the heart of it, what they do for people to keep us in the game, keep us going. I really developed uh, a real respect for them and saw that, you know, this is a group of people that I could really go to bat for and could go hard to make sure that they're being taken care of in the way that they should, because they do get taken advantage of. They've got a target on their back. They're viewed as dollar signs because they have income, but uh, a lot of ways they're not paid fair. And that's what one of the things that we do different as a company is we make sure that our clients are being paid fairly and we go negotiate and go hard for them. We go to bat for them in a way that we don't see any other firm does because we're compensation pros, compensation specialists. And that's kind of a, a quick little background that kind of bring you current to where we are today. I can give you a lot more than that. So, I mean, you know, and, and, and obviously, you know, everybody has that feeling that, uh, you know, the doctors are rich, that they make a lot of money and, and, and so forth. So what are some of the, the, you know, the mistakes that they're making um, when it comes to investing and things like that? Doctors specifically? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're your clients. So, you know, with your clients, what, what are some of the mistakes you see them making before they come into you? Yeah. So when they get started, if they have a lot of student loans, student loans can be anywhere from 200,000 or more. And a lot of them have the impression of the, the, the feeling that debt is bad, debt is toxic, debt is evil almost in a way. And there's even some financial pros out there that will make you feel sick to your stomach because you, you have debt. Well, this is not credit card debt. This is debt that is being used to create an annual annuity of six figures plus usually. And it can be a great return on investment. And so a lot of them will rush to pay off all their debt as fast as possible and not, not really invest, save or invest. And so that is an issue where they, in the short term, feel better, but they compound the problem of already being behind. Because when they finish up undergrad, they do four years of medical school, they do at least three years of residency, they may do additional years of training which could put them 10 years behind all of their peers. And so they have such a, uh, a late head start um, that they have a lot of ground to make up. And so they don't manage their debt well. Oftentimes they'll, while they're trying to pay down debt, they'll look at buying it at different things. And so they get a little bit ahead of themselves with getting their lifestyle. Once the income goes up, their lifestyle increases. And that's not necessarily position specific. That tends to be a kind of across the board. But um, that tends to be an issue. For those that we didn't get to work with right out of the bat, they didn't do what they needed to do in terms of protecting themselves with disability insurance. They didn't get the right type of estate plan. 
put in place. And they might have gotten in with some sort of a broker or investment advisor that got them into investments that weren't really suitable for them or they didn't understand. Or a, a big problem we see oftentimes is that they'll just go into this autopilot uh, mode with their investments through their employer with their 401k or 403b or 457. And they don't really understand the implications of a higher expense type of uh, target date fund that doesn't perform as well, that tends to cost more. And they think that they can just put things on autopilot when in fact they could be doing a lot better for themselves if they had a little bit more guidance. So that is an issue that we typically see on the front end. Right. So, you know, a lot of, you know, looking at this, you know, you talked about student loan debt and things like that. So, you know, I'm going to say, how early is it that you guys are, are really catching these guys? Because, you know, once they get out and start working, yeah, you know, they're, they're making money then. Um, so okay. kind of, are you, are you catching them while they're still in school or are you right. until, you know, residency or, or when are you grabbing them? Yeah. So we typically start getting to know them. At least the business was started back in 2009 by going to universities, medical centers, and hospitals, teaching in the classroom, in the auditoriums, giving them financial education. So when we got started with them, it puts things on a trajectory that is much more efficient, much better on the front end. Uh, when we get referrals from around the country, about a third of our clients are coming through referrals. Mm -hmm. We, it kind of depends on what we get ourselves into. Uh, oftentimes it's we pop the hood and we look under the hood and it's a mess. It's kind of a disaster with stuff all over the place. No coordination, duplication of different things. They don't really have a good sense of it. They're very well intentioned that they want things to uh, be good for themselves. And they maybe tend to be more hands-on initially, but then they get kind of tired of it. They kind of lose interest, get bored of things. And then things really kind of begin to spiral and fall out of what the original structure might have been. So that's an issue. Another big issue as it relates to what you do on the tax side, not understanding the right mix of what they should be doing on a pre-tax basis or a post-tax basis. And that is going to cost them dearly long-term where if they are doing everything that is going to be taxable at ordinary income tax rates, they don't really do what they should to hedge themselves for the, really the, the massive burden of what is going to cost them their, their, their 401k and their 403b so they don't get strategic around their full picture will be the most expensive place for them to pull money from. And most of them are kind of clueless or they're completely aloof. The fact that they're what they view as maybe their number one account that they'll use for retirement is going to be the most expensive place to pull money from. If taxes stay the same as they are, or if they get worse, which we both know that there's nothing but pressure to raise taxes. We're in the worst pressure environment to raise taxes that we've probably ever seen in history. And so if we're not being smart about mixing the right amount of money in the certain types of buckets for tax strategies, that's a major issue. And investments is the one thing, but then how is it going to be taxed is the other. And so that's a major factor. Right. And I mean, in, in talking about that in itself, I mean, that, that, that goes across India, any industry there is, it's not right. just physicians, but yes, Correct. definitely it, any industry that is there. Um, I guess once you guys get these physicians and you, and you start working with them, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously you know, you're hoping that they, that they really listen to everything that, that you have to say, 
but what are some you know mistakes that they make even though after they they start working with you so like if they're doing some things on their own if they yeah. kind of decide yeah. to kind of venture out a little bit so we do real estate with our clients as well it's a big part of what our clients are interested in and a lot of times that can get them into places where if we're not driving the boat on that that can can trip them up with either overextending themselves or getting into something that they didn't understand the the timeline on it and right. uh, buying properties here maybe they they start in nashville and then they move to salem and they say, I've got a property here. I want to keep this and hang on to this while I move out here. And the whole management of that can be an issue. So I would say that that's something that we see tends to come up. Um, doctors tend to refer to certain circles of different things. And sometimes there's investments that they shouldn't be pursuing. Like once they get into the accredited investor status, right. they're pursuing things they uh don't research things well enough or don't know the team well enough and don't know how to vet and analyze is this reasonable or they put too much into some of those opportunities that wouldn't be appropriate for them so that those are some other areas that we see right what um do you, do you see any of them getting into the the cryptocurrency world now yeah we do and actually it's kind of funny you say that because <laughs> if you look at what's going on right now right I mean, crypto is the wild, wild west mm -hmm. and people are, some have made a ton off of it, but it is, I actually like the fact that there's something out there that is holding and keeping accountable what our government is doing with money. Right. So I, I like that aspect of it, but it is, it's a very risky, very aggressive uh, portion of an allocation. So we're okay with it on a smaller basis, but as far as making that your full sole focus or, or um, your primary objective right now. I, this is the kind of stuff that you have to make it your full-time gig. And that's where right. people tend to bite off more than they can chew. They think that they can do a lot more than they probably should be. And uh, they think it can go on autopilot once they get going at it. And that the, the demands of life aren't going to get in the way. Uh, two things can happen. They can either sacrifice all the time that they need to to do it and then that can cause issues with family and a profession and other things or they let it slide and then they get upside down on it so that's an area i'd say that for a lot of our physicians that we end up working with that are in their own practices have their own businesses or do their own contracting they tend to not utilize all the tools available to them that they could on the retirement plan side right there's employee type of plans that are good for employees. But there's also em employer plan designs for um, programs that are good for employers and for owners right. that they can use. And they tend to wait, wait too long when they can be utilizing those early on. And I know it's kind of a, a juggle of when the right time is, but when you get into these defined benefit plans and can do those earlier on, once cash flow and there's enough margin, that can be very powerful. Yeah. And especially if you can convert a portion of that into tax-free income, which is something that you can do. And so I say that's an area that the planning just tends to come in too late and they miss all those years of tax right. benefit. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I agree with that. I mean, there's, there's, and that's not just with physicians, that's with a no, lot no, of business everybody. owners yeah. and stuff. 
Um, one of the things that, that I try to tell, tell our clients, um, you know, the, the business owners is like, you know, look, you're, you're really good at doing what you do. That's why you have your business. Yeah. So stop trying to do these things that are outside of there that you're counting on making money at mm-hmm. because you don't fully understand it. So, you know, yes, if you have an expert doing it or, you know, if you're saying, hey, look, I'm going to take 10 grand and I, I just want to play in the market. Yeah. It's like, you know, like you said, it takes away it takes away their time from doing what they do well and mm-hmm. making money, especially if they're, you know, uh, if they own the business as compared to an employee. Um, you know, so so we've definitely seen, you know, a lot of that. And then like you're talking about the you know, the defined benefit plan, there's there's so many people that it's like, you know, we, we try to beg to get into those just because they could put so much more money away. Yeah. Yeah. And they are tax effective if done the right way. Right. Uh, you know, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely see that, see that quite a bit. Um, you know, I do see more people trying to get in the, the cryptocurrency world, but they don't understand it. And it's just, I, I think it's one of those things that, you know, it could be a big rabbit hole, you know, to go down if, if you don't really understand it. Yeah, I think that we're on the same page here. If you think of people that are do-it-yourselfers, people that are collaborators, and people that are delegators. And people that are delegators tend to be the most successful in their craft and their trade. And they build a team around them to help them. Right. This is, when you get when it gets when we're talking about finances and wealth, after all the effort put in to generate that income and to save it and to not use it and consume it and to put it to work in ways that is going to be meaningful in the future, you can't just dabble in it. It can't just be a hobby. It has to be a hobby that you are obsessed about. Right. So we do have clients that do have an obsession for certain things and they do well. I, I'm thinking of somebody right now, I'm, I'm you know, picturing his face that he's actually doing well with crypto. It's something that uh, he's figured out and he's obsessed about it. Right. And he knows, he knows it well enough that he understands the risks he's taking, and that's a portion of what he's doing. But it has to be more than a hobby in order for it to really be worth the while. So that way you don't get burned by it too much. Right, right. No, I- a couple of the other areas that I see that are specific to physicians specifically is liability, liability risk. Mm-hmm. Most doctors will get sued at least one time throughout their career. And these suits can last for years. And we have clients that have been sued and it is a tax on their body, the tax on their mind. And if they don't do what they should on the front end to protect themselves, then they can be exposed. And so how they set up their assets, how they title them, how they own them, how they do their estate plan, uh, how they have umbrella insurance in place to, to cover the situation when their child gets into a car accident. They find out that the parents are doctors because the lawyer on their side will find out what their profession is. Mm -hmm. They want to go after future wages. I mean, they will come after you with whatever they possibly can to get as much of it as possible. So liability is a major issue. And a lot of doctors don't quite understand when they get signed up with an employer and there's a malpractice plan, that malpractice may not cover them when they leave. So they need to know if they're going to have to get their own tail insurance, is there is a, is a, is a contract they have? This is where contracts really come into play because 
the document that they sign, anywhere from 10 to 30 pages, sometimes 100 pages, it's fine print, it's legalese. It's, right. it's this section references this section, which references this section, which goes to this section. And you have to play this game to figure out what all this is saying. And when they get terminated, which most doctors don't stay in their job for the duration of the contract, especially their first contracts, they get burned. Employers know that they are not likely to stay, that there's high turnover. It's, it's not a, no, a mystery, like everyone in the industry knows this. And so the cost of acquisition is high and they do whatever they can to recoup that cost on that physician that leaves. And the malpractice insurance is a key piece of that. And so they need to know, does the contract mandate that they have to get a extended reporting endorsement from their existing plan or can they go get it outside? Did they negotiate that on the front end? What do they do to protect themselves on the front end through the onboarding process with the contract to make sure that they're not going to be stuck. We had a doctor contact us. She had a tail that I think they were quoting $260,000 because she's an OBGYN in a very litigious county in Illinois. Like, where's that $260,000 going to come from? Right. So another issue that we see physicians face with contracts too is that they'll sign into an agreement where the employer's promising, we'll pay you this. It's top dollar. It's very attractive. It's something to allure them to come in and to take that position. But what they don't really pay, pay attention to is that in the fine print, it says, you can have this money. You get to keep this money if you produce enough yeah. to keep it. Yeah. If you don't produce enough, right. guess right. what? You're going to owe the difference. And so what ends up happening is they get to the end of that first year and they do an audit of, okay, what were the billings, what were the collections, and was it satisfactory? If it wasn't, they're now having to take out a loan to pay the practice back. And if that practice didn't get going enough within the year or 18 months, there might be some other issue with how it's structured that it may not be a good long-term fit. So that's a factor. Another issue is just physicians joining in with other physicians and assuming that the founding member of the practice has really everything buttoned up and they actually don't. Right. And they get into verbal things and come up with new arrangements that don't get cemented in a document that is transparent. And then they get burned because of disagreements and whatnot. So um, tons of issues there. And we're publishing a report right now on physician, physician shortage that's on the horizon. Burnout, cost of medical school, lack of wages adjusting for inflation. It's actually way off course with that. We've got a perfect storm brewing in healthcare right now that you look at all the layoffs and all the people, all the terminations that have happened in this last six months with you know employers losing staff. Right. And nurses are is a major issue. It's a fact affecting physician practices where they're having to pick up the slack from the people that are not there. And so in the years to come, we're going to be seeing the carnage that's going to come from the dynamics of the workplace and how things are being impacted. So there's a lot happening right now for them that most people don't understand. And they, I would just say for anybody who's tuning in, for your physician and for your specialist, they know a lot, but they don't know everything. And medicine is complicated. Your body is complicated. What you eat, how you live, 
what you're exposed to, your lifestyle, all those factors. The doctor does their best to sort those things out. And not every doctor is good. I can't say that. Um, of course not. You know, that, that the, the machine of healthcare produces every single doctor is upstanding and high caliber quality because it isn't. There's, there's going to be 10% or so that are, are bad apples. And so you right. want to try to avoid those. But doctors are not gods. And we put a lot of expectation and pressure on them that they should be able to have perfect knowledge on everything. And it's kind of where, as a patient, you've got to do your due diligence and to ask questions and to really try to understand things as much as you can. And so it's a two-way street. The doctor can't know everything that you're doing. And so um, I just want to share that from a personal experience perspective because uh, burnout and stress in medicine is a major factor. I mean, the, the divorce and suicide and, and the mental, it's actually pretty shocking the number of doctors that are on antidepressants and anxiety medications. We see that it's rampant, actually. It's, right. The pressure on them is, is so high. So it's, it's a major factor. It affects really so much of their life. And it, it does bleed into their finances and right. what they're doing to stay on track and getting onto a process and a schedule and staying consistent is really key. And that's where having an advisor, having good counsel with you and somebody that you can trust is going to be good long-term, which that's applicable to anybody. You know, yeah. Really. yeah. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, I think that, that, uh, you know, kind of touching back on some of the stuff you said, I mean, you know, not just with the physician, but with any professional that you're using, you do need to be honest with them because if you're not giving them the whole picture, they can't help you properly and yeah. they understand the whole picture. And then also, you know, you're talking about, you know, good counsel and things like that. I mean, you know, we, we definitely, you know, tell people it's like, look, you have to have a team of advisors and you yeah. need to let them talk, you know, to each other, to be able to move you in the right direction that you mm -hmm. need, you know, and it could be, you know, your financial plan, it could be, you know, your estate planning, it could be, you know, just the you know, liability that, that may be out there. Yeah. Um, but so many times people are worried about, you know, all of us talking because they just see dollar signs, right? And it's like, it's, it's much better to let us talk ahead of time than wait until something happens. Cause when something happens, it's going to cost you way more money than if you spend it up front. Yeah. Yeah. You know, spending, spending a few thousand or thousands of dollars on preventative action yeah. and maintenance in the biggest scheme of things could save them 50,000, a hundred thousand. The swings are huge with our clients, especially. Yep. And even just a job change can be a $20,000 setback. And so right. being really upfront, and I liked what you're saying about that because when you go to a counselor, does a counselor want you to be 90% open right, or 91% open? They need, if you, they're going to be able to provide their best to you if you are 100%. And it can be a little bit, just like we, we're supposed to go to our doctor. We're supposed to tell our doctor everything, not yeah. withhold anything. They, they expect that trust from us into them. That's why it's good to have somebody that you can work with, that you can do, get to know them, make sure it's a good fit. Because it is a very much a relationship thing. And the more that everything can be out on the table and be identified, uh, the better. Even if there's some, some uh, skeletons in the closet and whatever else, like it's better to have just 
that stuff out there because it's really a landmine. And that's what our business is, is we are there as eyes in the sky to identify the landmines, work around the landmines, or to put them out so we can cross over it without there being something that is potentially catastrophic or, you know, major setback financially. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I think that, that many times, you know, people are embarrassed by things that they, that they've done in their past or whatever. And it's like, well, but the problem is, is that if you don't tell us, especially from the financial side, you know, say you're, you know, you're trying to grow your practice and, you know, we go out and find a, somebody who's going to, to lend you the money to, you know, based off of your, you know, your billings and things like that to grow your business. Well, you know, if you're not, you know, forthright on truly how many, how much of those receivables are good, you know, type thing, then, then that can come back and, you know, and bite you in the butt or a past bankruptcy or, or anything like that. Uh, they could come back and bite you in the butt, you know, on the, on the back end when we're trying to do stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's definitely, definitely good. And I think that, you know, just like a, a physician, it's like, okay, every year you need to, you need to get that checkup, if not more often. Uh, you know, just to make sure that that you're kind of staying on the on the right on the right uh, path that that you put together. What um, I guess what are some of the challenges that your that your company is facing now? Just challenges in general. Yeah. Well, I would like to say that uh, it'd be easy to say that the last few years has been an issue from a, a business perspective, but we were. We were COVID ready for like four or five years beforehand because doing all the web stuff wasn't really a factor. Right. Um, I think it's labor. I think quality people. I think we're in a really weird labor environment. Right. We're growing quickly. And so getting good quality people on your team is, is a factor. Um, so that's probably an area I'm in a business group called entrepreneurs organization, and we meet once a month for four hours. And it's a a place where we come and we share everything. There's nothing off limits. You're supposed to share the top 5% best things happening in life and the bottom 5% worst things, right? It's like you're going into therapy and there's a strict code of confidence with it where you don't share anything that was talked about. Right. Otherwise, you get kicked out. Like you cannot violate that uh, that um, confidentiality, you know, rules. And so that's something that we talk about in our group. That there's we're seeing that's that's an issue in terms of there's a lot of weird things happening within regards to people and and um, I mean with inflation and everything else that's going on. I mean that's right or more just business fundamental things. I would say is kind of what be our we're bumping into right right yeah i know i mean you know every good i have many clients that you know same thing everybody's going through trying to find those those quality candidates to Mm -hmm. to come work for them and it doesn't make any difference if it's skilled or unskilled labor right now everybody seems to be having having that issue right now yeah where did everybody go where did all these employees go (laughs) it just disappeared how many how many million have just vanished from workforce i mean right exactly exactly it's 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 amazing in in 
if you go back and in, you know, going into September, you know, of 21, there were so many people on unemployment and so many jobs open. But then once kind of the 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 um, amount of unemployment, at least on the federal side, was cut back, those still got those same number of jobs that are open. And yeah. it's like, okay, so so what happened there? So um, yeah. if you find out that answer, let me know, because I, I know a lot of people that would like to know. <laughs> well, that just doesn't, it's kind of hard for us to understand those because as you run a business and you have a thriving practice and we have clients that have thriving businesses that are trying to grow and trying to expand. It doesn't make sense to us because there's so much dignity in the work that we do. We find so much value in the people that we serve and our clients, they're doing so much. They don't get to just decide, Hey, I'm going to just take from whatever I can, whatever the system is providing to me and just stay home and, and be comfortable. We, we can't imagine not being engaged in the workforce in some capacity. So it's, it's a strange, there's a real, I think in my, my feeling is that culturally we have a, a, a major downturn happening in society in terms of work ethic and values. Yeah. And it's something that needs to be turned around because we're, we're starting to see the effects of this and um, our generation the generations that are coming up now, like they don't get it. Things have been way too easy. Mm -hmm. And so people need to understand that uh, there's a lot of effort that needs to be put in. Effort is what creates results. You don't just get to have because you were there and you don't put the work in. And so um, we've got to have some change with the mindset around what it means to be a contributor, a producer, not just a consumer. Right. Right. I agree. I agree hundred percent with that. What, I mean, our time has kind of flown by here. What, Justin, what have I not asked you that you wish I had? So you didn't ask about what else that we have going on. And I'd love to tell you about our nonprofit GiveSite Global, okay. where we are curing blindness. We believe that it is possible to end blindness globally. And we are working on that right now. Very small pockets of people know about this, but every one of us, you included, will go blind eventually. All of us will lose our vision eventually if we live long enough. And what happens is your, your lens will develop a cataract, which you probably have heard of that term before. And a cataract will cloud the eye so you won't be able to see, well, you can have a 10-minute procedure that can take the cataract out and can put a new artificial lens in, and you can be back to seeing within 24 hours. And with, with those kind of surgeries, other minor surgeries and procedures and glasses, one third of the world struggles with the vision impairment. And there is so much that can be done. We're doing work internationally. We're starting to look at doing some work here domestically where we're gonna be giving vision to 10 million people is the first rung that we're going after. And so we have a group that has been so gracious with us, every dollar that we raise, they triple it. So $1 turns into $4. So a million dollar gift turns into $4 million. Mm -hmm. And we've got projects going where it only costs $7 a person to give them their vision back. $7. Pretty impressive. Because of the, the model that we've created. 
And it's not an aid model. It's not a donation model where we have to go back to donors every year and ask, ask, ask. It's we make an investment, expand care in an area, and then they thrive and they facilitate their needs locally themselves. And we finish up what we did to help get things started. And then we move on to the next place to, to work. And so we've got a project that just got approved in Zambia, We're looking at Kenya and Nepal and some other places. This is the number one most curable disability in the world. When somebody gets glasses, prescription lenses, their productivity can go up by 40%. Right. So vision has so many different facets. We decided as a firm, we wanted to give sight to a new person. Every time that we serve a new client, we would give the gift of sight to somebody who doesn't have access to eye care. And we're doing that and more now with our nonprofit. And so if anybody would be interested in checking that out, it's givesightglobal.org. And uh, we'd love to get you um, to get involved, share, promote it, and uh, get the word out about it. That's awesome. That's great work. So, Justin, if, if any of our listeners mm-hmm. like what they heard in their physicians and stuff, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Reach out, connect on social media, our website. Also, you can contact us through there, physiciansthrive.com. Physicians is plural, physiciansthrive.com. And I would love to chat, kind of explore things. We, we have a lot of strategic alliances and teams that we work with in different capacities. And so if you're not a physician group, but you have a financing platform or have other things that you do that would be helpful for the physician um, segment of the population, like let us know. We have a ton of different things that we do. We're um, very unique in terms of personal business planning for physicians. And so um, anything that you might have an idea about, like don't don't hesitate to reach out and let's, let's talk about it. Great. Well, we really appreciate your time today and your wisdom and, and liked hearing about your nonprofit. Awesome. Thanks, Gary. Today, our guest was uh, Justin Nabidity, and he's the founder and CEO of Physicians Thrive. Thank you. Thank you. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.